0: However you got here, you're currently listening to the Perry Hall Family Worship Center podcast. Thanks for giving us a chance. If today's message speaks to you, encourages you, or just leaves you with questions, you can reach out to us at connect at perryhall.life. Okay, so we're back in the book of James. We're in James chapter 5. We are um, making a a turn coming to the home stretch. James has been a great study. We still have a few more uh, studies to go on it. But James have talk, has talked a lot about a living faith, a faith that we are supposed to be living in. Talks about a lot of practical things. See, if you remember James, he's been um, he's talking to twelve tribes that have been dispersed, that have been on the run, so to speak, because of their newfound faith. are Jews turn into Christianity. And that didn't go well. So they're, they're running and um, James is a pastor to them. So he's sending this letter, here's how you live a godly life. Now you have to understand, they're, they're coming from Judaism now to Christianity. So it's a big change. So we see this in James. We also see that he gives a whole lot of warnings in life. He gives a whole lot of warnings. We're gonna see some warnings here in a little bit. But he's warning us things of, of life. Then he talks a lot about pride. It seems like the past couple weeks, there's been a thread of pride in his sermons. And this is no, um, this is no, uh, nothing short because it's going to be um, today as well. We talked about doing things our way. Remember that? Yes, uh, last week, I did it my way. We talked about this song there. Then we talked about uh, making plans in life. And is God in your plans? Because you know what? You are in his plan. Now, you know, you could say, well, my life is a mess. Well, you're not in God's plan. <laughs> you know, you gotta get into God's plan, if you will. You gotta follow along, but God says he's got a plan for you. He's got a good plan for you and it's a perfect plan and it's a healthy plan and everything else. But that doesn't mean it's gonna work unless you jump in it and you work his plan. Make sense? Understand that? So. The question is, is God in your plans because you are in his plan? We talked about this scripture here. I'm just doing a quick review here. Proverbs 3, uh, verse five, talking about plans. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. Okay, trust in the Lord. You trust in the Lord. Lean not on your own understanding. We're seeing the, the, the thread of pride coming in here. We always think we got it right. We wanna do it our way. It's our plan, we don't need anything else. We're smart enough. verse six, in all your ways, acknowledge him. In all your plans, acknowledge him. Whatever you're doing, especially the big plans, acknowledge God. And like I said before, if you got some major plans, make sure you're seeking God for it. Marriage, you know, job, whatever it may be, moving, make sure you're seeking God. So in all your ways, acknowledge him and he shall direct your paths. God is gonna direct your path. I mean, I hope that's what you want. I hope you want God to be directing your path. And if not, shame on us. So we get in verse seven, here's a little prideful thing again. Do not be wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and depart from evil. Do not be wise in your own eyes. This is, this is a problem that goes back from the beginning of time, pride. So don't think you got it figured out. Don't think you're all that smart. Don't think that because you have some education, you got it. It doesn't work that way. Okay, so that kind of brings us up to speed to where we're at right now. So now we're going into James 5, verse 1, and we're going to hit really six verses. just a tad on, on verse 7. But let's read this, and there's going to be a lot to kind of unpack here as we go. Verse 1. Come now, you rich, weep and howl for your miseries that are coming upon you. Your riches are corrupt and your garments are moth-eaten. Your gold and silver are corroded and their corrosion will be a witness against you and will eat your flesh like fire. You have heaped up treasures in the last days. Indeed, the wages of the labor whom mowed your fields which you kept back by fraud crying out and the cries of the reaper have reached the ears of the lord of the sabbath you have lived on the earth in pleasure and luxury you have fattened your hearts in the day of slaughter you have condemned you have murdered the just he does not resist you. OK, there's a lot there. I think we all know that, and I think it takes a little bit to kind of unpack and see what is James saying here, because some of it is kind of like, I don't know what is, what is he saying here? I don't wanna, I'm not getting what he says here. So I want to just backtrack a little bit, and I just want to kind of, again, maybe explain some of this so we have a better understanding. But if you see the point, James is talking about rich people. Now, stick with me here, because it's, it's, it's not a sermon about money, okay? But money has a lot to do with it. It's not a sermon about, let's, uh, let's raise more money for the church. No, if you've been here enough times, you know we only, take, we only have a box here. We don't put, it, put the basket around. We don't do anything like that. So I want to kind of push that to the side, so you're not thinking that I'm coming across as a financial um, uh, underlying agenda. So... We start out in verse one again. Come now, you rich, weep and howl for your miseries that are coming upon you. Verse two, your riches are corrupted and your garments are moth-eaten. Okay, let's just stop here for a minute. Now, if you haven't caught it in the first five, six verses that we just read here, there's nowhere where it's talking about brothers and sisters. It always seems like James would say, brothers and sisters, or dear brother, and things like that. To me, okay, to me, this is what I'm going to say. He's not maybe talking to the Christians. I think he's talking to the Christians about the possibility of what you can get involved in, and the possibility of how you can be distracted by money, or using an example for outsiders to say, okay, this is what's happening out in the real world. This is the way it's taking place. So James does begin to set us up, if you will, to really hit hard in our soul, really go deep into our soul and hit us. Now, he's been doing that the whole five chapters. And there's something, I'll say this, that each and every one of us has lurking inside of us. And it's this, more money, more money. Now, if you say, no, I don't, I'm not wanting no more money. I'm good. I'm good. If you're saying that to me, I would probably say, well, I don't believe you. (laughs) Because I think we all, you know, we all had that kind of programmed in us a little bit. We had programmed in us that we don't have enough. Oh, no, I have enough. Well, you want more, though. So James is kind of hitting the soul here. Now, he's saying rich man a lot. And I want to say this and be really clear. It's not a sin to be rich. It's not a sin to have a whole lot of money. It's not a sin to have a whole lot of stuff. There were many people in the Bible who were rich, who were very rich in the Bible. So that's not the problem. So I want to say this. Money is not the problem. Having too much money is not a problem. The problem is, is when money has you. And this is what James is talking about here. He's talking about you Uh, money control in you and we even see here in first timothy it says this here for the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil for which some have strayed from the faith in their greediness and piercing themselves through with many sorrows okay so we see this i think most people understand what this is saying but let me let me kind of break it out a little bit it says the love of money, the love of, not money. Money's not good or bad. It's whatever you make it. Okay, now we're, he's talking about this rich guy here and he's making money in a bad way. So buddy, money's neutral, if you will. But the love of money will never satisfy. Or I should say the love for money will never satisfy. And we see the danger of money because it says here that, um, which some have strayed from the faith. Some have strayed from because of money, because of the love of money. They, they want more money. They, they work, and they think that, you know, let me work so I can get more money, and the biggest excuse is for my family to have a better li- life. So they're working like dogs, and their families deteriorate, and the kids are deteriorating. The kids are way going their own way. Health has taken place, and all this is because we have in our head that money's We're striving for money and more of it. People will do anything for money. They will commit any sin for money. People will do that. I mean, you know, people will murder for sin, you know? And when you see, when you begin to see uh, the, the work that money can do, it can really motivate people to stray from God, to stray from God. Now, you know, we're seeing a whole lot of things here, but James is just highlighting something in this point here. He's talking to the church, and he's kind of saying, Beware, because throughout the church, throughout James, he's continuing to tell the church, beware here, beware. If you're not seeing this, if you're not understanding this, you know, it's time to wake up. Because we don't know what we don't know. So you may say, you know, how how do I feel about money? How do you feel about money? How important is money to you? Okay, remember what I'm saying here, okay, and I said this before, I wanna be really clear here. This is not um, a church um, money sermon, okay? I don't know how else to say it. It's because we don't, we're not into that kind of stuff. God provides, he's been continuing to provide. We don't have to shake people down when they come in or when they leave, we don't have to. We're, We don't ask for your credit card numbers or anything like that. So I just want to put disclaimers on here because if you're somewhat new to the church, you're thinking, here he goes, another pastor begging for money, and I'm not doing that. I'm just going by what James is seeing here. So, but if you want to know how important money is to you, just look at your checkbook. Ooh. Look at your checkbook. Or nowadays, you know, online, however you look. If you want to know where you are spiritually, spiritually, Look at your checkbook. That's all, just look at your checkbook. So now let's keep on moving here because we see that Jesus is even warning us. He says in Matthew six, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Where your treasure is, what could be your treasure? Your treasure could be sports, it could be hobbies, it could be you know fun and all these different things. But where your treasure is, it'll show up in your checkbook as well. But that's where your heart's at. James 5 three goes on and talks about this rich person here. your gold and silver are corroded, and their corrosion will be a witness against you and you will eat your flesh like fire. you have heaped up treasures in the last days. okay keep in mind what James is doing here he's talking about a wrong rich person I' say that maybe I could say it that way a rich person that's that's um, doing it all wrong. Because there's nothing wrong with being rich, but you're going to see here. But James is saying this. Here's what he's saying. Is that the things that gave you security here on earth, it won't secure you for heaven. Now James is giving warnings again. This is another warning here. You can have all the money in the, you know, in the world. You can have property and all this different stuff. But you know what? That doesn't, that's not a ticket for you to get into heaven. And the rich person thinks he's getting to heaven by good deeds. But James is also calling out something else. And I don't know if you've just seen it or not, but he's calling out the sin of hoarding. Like a hoarder? You know what I mean? You understand what I'm saying? Hoarder? He's, he's calling out the sin of being a hoarder. Now, let's that's, that's continue to see here, because when we realize what a hoarder is, it's someone who just wants more. They ain't got enough. They got their hands full and they want to pack it up even more. And it's just the rich person, they're not satisfied. They want more, and they will continue to want more. And we see what this rich owner did. He took advantage of his employees because he just wanted to stack up more. Now, Jesus talks about this in a parable. Let me read this parable. You know what a parable is, right? It's an earthly story with a heavenly meaning. So I'm gonna read it right now in Luke 12, verse 16. Then he, speaking of Jesus, spoke a parable to them, saying, the ground of a rich man yields plentiful. Now, let, me say, let me stop here for a minute. That's a blessing from God right there. God provided this rich ground for this guy. Then it goes into verse 17. And he thought within himself, okay, now look at the pride coming through again. What shall I do, since I have no room to store my crops? Okay, look at the personal pronouns, I, my, look what I'm doing here. You know, he's going on and on. Then he goes in verse 18, it says, so he said, I will do this, I will pull down my barns and build greater, and there I will store all my crops and my goods. So this guy, his his barns were already filled. And he's saying, what i am going to do here? He said, I'm going to build bigger barns. I'm just going to continue to hoard. I'm going to continue to hold on. If you get the gist of this guy here, he's not, he's not much of a giver. <laughs> he's, good for, he's good for taking, and he's good for storing up here. But look what Jesus says here in verse 19. And I will say to my soul, soul, you have, this ain't You say.'" So you have many goods laid up for many years. Take your ease, eat, drink, and be merry. Oh, man, I've done so great. I've done so great. I got all these barns filled. You know what? I'm going to just take it easy. I'm going to eat, drink, and be merry because it's all about pleasing me. This is what I want, and, I'm, and I've done it because I've done it my way, as, as uh, Frank Sinatra sang. I did it my way. We, we talked about that last week. Okay, but look what look what um, God says here in verse 20. But God said to him, fool, this night your soul will be required of you, then whose will those things be which you have provided? Man, God called you a fool. He's calling that person a fool because all you're doing is storing up more money and he's saying... Your soul could be required tonight. We know this, tomorrow's not guaranteed. We know that the rest of the day is not guaranteed. We know that one phone call can change our whole life. We know our next heartbeat is not guaranteed. But the word of God tells us there is an eternity. There's a heaven and there's a hell. And we're all going to one place or the other. And you're hearing this message today, my heart is saying, I want every person to go to heaven, and that's what God is saying too. And he's and he's using in Luke here. He's, he's saying, "You fool! You've done all this, and now you're going to die, and you're going to be judged, and you're going to be sent to hell." Verse 21 says, "So is he who lays up treasures for himself, and is not rich towards God." Now again, I'm going to be real clear. There's nothing wrong with you know having large bank accounts. I'm not saying that properties and all that, there's nothing wrong with that. But when you start to store it up and you're hoarding it, it's telling you something. It's telling you you're, you're selfish, you're prideful, and this is not God's plan. Stick with me here. So James is alerting people of God's soon coming judgment. Time is coming. Whether God, Jesus comes and gets you, Rachel will be talking about that, or you go to him first for judgment. But there's a time coming, and he's continuing to say, church, wake up, make sure, make sure you are right, make sure everybody else is, is right, that you can tell. So I want to say this again, the Bible never says that sin, that there's a sin to be rich. But the Bible does say that it's wrong to hoard your money. Now, again, stick with me, because there's more to it than that. Let's read in Matthew 6, and I'm just going through this here, We'll be wrapping up soon. But Jesus says, do not lay up for yourself treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. Look at the spiritual example that's being said here. So try to dig a little deeper. We see here in verse, where am I at now? Verse four? Yeah, verse four. I'm sorry, I lost my spot here. For indeed, the wages of the laborers who mowed your fields, which you kept back by fraud, cry out. And the cries of the reaper have reached the ears of the Lord of the Saboth. Okay, so what is that saying here? He, James is again saying here: is not only are you hoarding the wealth, but even worse is how you're getting it. That's even worse. He's cheating his workers. He, he stole from the employees. He's calling them says, You're a thief because you're stealing from your people that's working for you. You're holding back your wages. We as Christians sometimes play that game. Whether we like it or not. Under the table stuff. Tax return stuff. We play games with that. Be careful. You stole from your employees. And notice in this verse here, the workers are too poor to resist. The rich guy's taking advantage of the worker. He's taking advantage of them. But their cries are going to God. The Lord of the Sabbath. And I think that's the way you say it. It's not Sabbath. It's Sabbath. And what does that mean? It means the Lord of hosts. You ever see that in your Bible, Lord of hosts? You say, what's the Lord of hosts mean? What Lord of hosts mean? Well, it means the the Lord of the heavenly armies. That's what it means when you see this Lord of hosts. It means Lord of the heavenly armies. And we understand that God has armies. And there's a reason why he has armies, because there's a war out there, a spiritual realm with good and evil. And don't make no mistake, there's a real devil, there's real demons out there, and they're trying to interrupt everything that you do. But God hears. hears. God hears the cry. James 5.5, 5, you have lived, still talking about the rich man, you have lived on earth in pleasure and luxury. You have fattened your hearts in a day of slaughter. Talking about the rich guy. You have condemned, you have murdered the just. He does not resist you. If you notice, there's a process, there's a pattern that's taken place. And this is the way sin works. Sin makes one step and then the next step and then the next step. Whatever you fall into, whatever trap you are, you're, you're headed towards, you're gonna, you're gonna, it's going to snap on you. One sin after another. And this sin here really started with pride. I did it my way. I built up my barns, went into greed. It went into hoarding. It went into, well, cheating the laborers first and then it went into hoarding. One step after another. He says you are condemned. Now this means you're uh, to pass sentence upon, so it's a it's a, like a legal type of term here. The implication is this: that the rich were using the courts to commit judicial murder. So in other words, what they were doing, they were dragging their people in the court, and then the poor person they can't defend herself. We've seen it in James two six several months ago. But you have dishonored the poor man. Do not the rich oppress you and drag you into courts? See, often the poor people, we know, they really, they don't have, they don't get a whole lot of satisfaction in the poor system because the rich is overpowering them. That's what's taking place. But remember this verse here, but the Lord hears the cry. Jeremiah 33 says this, Call to me, and I will answer you, and show you great and mighty things which you do not know. Call to him. I want to ask you this question. How many of you called to God? How many of you really called to God? Okay, now just think about that. How many times has it been that you called to him because you needed something? Most of the times that's when we call God, when we need something. A little confused in life, I'm not sure what's going on. Then we start getting all spiritual and we start calling out calling out to God, God help me with this, help me with this anxiety, give me direction in life. But even before that, we gotta have our initial phone call, our initial call to God. And that call is this, have you accepted Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior? The Bible says this, Jesus says this, a person must be born again to enter the kingdom of God, must be born again. This is, this is a warning. It's kinda like God is telling us something here. If we're not born again, if we don't have a relationship with Jesus Christ, we're not getting to heaven. You can be the most religious person, you can be the richest person around, you can be the most giving person, but you know what? That's not gonna get you to heaven. They might be good attributes, but that's not gonna get you to heaven. It's not until you commit your life to Jesus. The Bible says, for all of sin, we're all sinners. The Bible says that sin separates us from God. The Bible says, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins. The Bible says, behold, I stand at the door and knock. If you hear my voice and open the door, I'm coming in. So it's telling you right there, it's not an automatic. (laughs) You got to do something. This is why we have the prayer team on the the right here, on the wall there, see prayer? And on this side, prayer. So after church, we're serious about this, come up for prayer. Get right with God. If you're not right with God, none of this stuff is going to make sense to you. You're not going to grasp it. The Holy Spirit's not in you. You can be the nicest person, like I said, but God's not inside of you. But the promise is, when you accept them, he comes in and enthrones with you. He indwells with you. So I want to just kind of hit James 5, verse 7. And this is what he says here. He says, therefore, be patient, brethren. Therefore, be patient. And this is where I want to leave our Bible reading off. You hear all this bad stuff. You hear what's... James just got finished saying in these six verses, but he says, be patient, hang on there. And we'll talk about that next week, but here's the thing. It's tragic to be rich, I'm, I'm winding down here. It's tragic to be rich in this world, but not with God. It's tragic that you have wealth, you have plenty of stuff, but you don't have a relationship with God. We need to be rich with God, it, it's sad. Your money, listen to this for a minute, okay? And, I'm, and I want this is this is something really clear. Your money is really not your money. Your money is God's money. It's God's money. The money that you have in your wallet, well, if you're married like me, you don't have much in your wallet these days. (laughs) 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 But the money that you have is not yours. It's really God's. We see that through scripture. Now, here's what it is. You're a steward of it. You're You're managing God's money. And the question is, how are you managing God's money? Well, that's, that's between you and God. But focusing on money or having a lot of it can, can be, not always, can be very distracting in many areas of your life. And one of the areas is your need for God. Money can be distracting. I'm good, I'm good, but let me, do, let me take this venture. Let me do this. In Psalm 73, listen to this, what the psalmist says. It's dangerous out there. But as for me, my feet had almost stumbled. My steps had nearly slipped for I was envious of the boastful when I saw the prosperity of the wicked. There's a lot there. Many people want want fame. They want to be famous. They want to be in front of the, in Hollywood. (laughs) They want to be actors. They want to be singers. They want to be, movie stars they want to be seen and with all the lights and being on the news and all that excitement and everything it it can cause you to slip it can cause you to slip Christian it can cause you to slip I want to be clear it's not wrong with having money you work for it God says work for it God blesses us with it and things like that without a doubt use money according to God So I'm gonna close, I promise. I wonder if verse one is a good thing for certain people. Here's what verse one says again, if you remember. Come now you rich, weep and howl for your miseries that are coming upon you. It's like God giving it a warning. (laughs) And you know, I'm I'm just pulling this out of thin air here, so to speak. But I almost see that verse one, come now, you rich, weep in hell, you know, we should be miserable about sin, sin of pride, sin of um, taking advantage of others, sin of hoarding, sin of having money and not doing what God wants you to do with money. Come now. Come, come now, you rich. Weep, how? Be sad about it because you know what? This might be your last chance. And I want to say this. We can stand at this time. God is always giving us the opportunities to get right with him. He's always giving us the opportunities. He's not leaving you out there. He's not deserting you. He's always giving you the opportunity. You may be here today and the opportunity, Jesus is knocking at the door. I oh, no, I'm good, I don't, I don't wanna do anything, I'm good. Well, be careful there, because your opportunity could be now. The Bible says today is the day of salvation, not tomorrow, today is. Why is that? One phone call away could change your whole life. So Father God, we just come before you in the name of Jesus. Lord, I thank you for your words and James here. Though they're piercing, they go right to our soul. Lord, I pray that we just get this inner holy conviction from you father in areas of our lives that we have to be on guard the pride the greed the wanting more the hoarding the not doing what you want us to do with your money and so many other things that James have been talking about so Lord we want to be in your will we want to have that personal relationship with you first and foremost and we want to be in your will and Lord you will direct our path, and we thank you for it Lord, I thank you for this church. I thank you for each person here today and their families. I pray a prayer of blessing to be upon them. Lord, I pray for this word to just marinate in their spirit, in their soul, these next couple days, Lord. Father, I pray that each and every one of us will take time today, tomorrow, and the rest of the week to spend time in the book of James. Just read some more. And Lord, just continue to speak to us. And Lord, we thank you for so many blessings. But most of all, we thank you for Jesus dying on the cross, and rising from the dead for our sins. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thanks for giving the Perry Hall Family Worship Center podcast a chance. Don't forget to subscribe, leave a review, and if you want to know more, we've got everything you need at perryhall.life.